chapter 8 is where we'll be this morning. I'll not ask you to stand this morning, so stay, stay where you are because I'm going I'm to read just a little bit and I need to put this story in its context. Luke chapter 8 will begin in verse 42b, if you will. Verse 42 kind of has a split in it, and there's a new kind of a section there that we'll be beginning in. There's no need to read the entire story, but we'll begin in Luke chapter 8. Uh, I'll start reading. You're welcome to follow along. It'll be on the screen above me as well. I want to read just the first five or six words here. As Jesus was on his way, all right? I need you to recognize this morning that the story we're about to read is as Jesus was traveling somewhere else to do something else, all right? Uh, as a matter of fact, look in the Bible, if you have that open in front of you, uh, look in the Bible there in front of you and look uh, maybe at what's going on just before this in the verses immediately preceding it. There's a story of a guy by the name of Jairus has a sick daughter and he's come to see Jesus and he's asking Jesus to come see his daughter. And when he shows up and says, my daughter is not well, please come see me. Uh, some respond in a couple of different ways, but ultimately Jesus begins to follow and they begin to head to go see this sick daughter. And then as they're traveling, we read this story and, and we'll, we'll continue the story in just a moment, but you need to know this story is what happens. But the kind of the, the following event of this is as soon as this conversation is happening, as soon as it's over with, the servants of Jairus show up and they say to Jairus, there's no need to bother the teacher anymore. There's no need to, to question him or, or to trouble him anymore because the daughter that you came to seek his provision for has died. And so you might as well just come on home and leave the teacher alone. Jesus looks at him and says, uh, no, no, we're still going to your house. And so they still travel on. And, and again, so this is what happens in the middle of all that. Jesus still goes to Jairus' house, and when he gets there, he shows up and, and people say uh, that you know, the, the child has passed away, and Jesus' response to them is to stop wailing, which is an interesting response, but to stop wailing. And then the Bible says that he grabs her by the hand and says, my child, get up. And the child returns to life and carries on. Like That was the primary of what was going on in Jesus' life. Understand? Like He was traveling to go and be a part of that part of the story. When all of this happens, this is almost this tangential intrusion, really, into Jesus' travel. And so when you read this story, know that this small story fits in, the, in a greater context of Jesus as he's traveling. I love the fact that Jesus is on his way to eventually deliver a girl from an illness slash raise her from the dead. And on his way there, he's stopping to help someone else. You, you see this sometimes. As a matter of fact, I'll highlight a couple of folks. You probably recognize this weekend was a very, very busy weekend, especially if you were involved in ministries through here in Church of Nazarene. We looked at our calendar planning weeks and months and months ago, and we're talking about how things would begin to stack up, and we recognized, hey, December 1 and 2 is going to be a big weekend, because December 1, we've got the opening night of the live nativity. There'll be 50 or 60 people on site for that event, just those who are serving in ministries or prepping for that. And then on top of that, the next morning is breakfast with Santa, having no idea sometimes how big that event's going to be, but also knowing like like, this is the time frame it normally falls in, and it just so happens that these two weekends are going to be colliding together. We talked for a moment about, is ECN big enough to sustain these two events? And we felt like ECN is big enough. We have a volunteer base that's large enough to sustain two huge events going on. And so Friday night we kicked off a live nativity. Saturday morning, Pastor Jessica and her army of volunteers, I think they actually started on Friday decorating. Uh, Pastor Jessica, you're in-house. Was it 174 that you guys had come through breakfast with Sandy yesterday to hear the Christmas story, to celebrate Christmas, and to spend time having fun together? Praise the Lord. Amen? That's not even including the folks who were part of the nativity. I'm sure some of those did both. But what I want to highlight is there were a few folks 
you look back at it, Jen Arnold, Mike and Carolyn Heald, um, Pam and Brian Bumpus. These folks served at the Nativity, went home for a few hours, served at the Breakfast with Santa, went home for a few hours, and then went to the Nativity. Like they were serving on their way to be serving. You know what I mean? Like what a, what a beautiful picture this morning. Like that's what Jesus was doing. He was, he's going to be serving this woman that we're going to be reading about as he was heading to serve someone else. Sometimes in our world, it would be very easy to say that we are uh, serving saturated. I feel that from time to time. And yet Jesus is someone for us to look at from time to time. On his way to serve one person, he pauses to serve someone else. What an what incredible kind of moment to this story, right? So let's continue on. Luke 48, or Luke, <laughs> Luke 48. There is no Luke 48. Luke 8, verse 42b, and then we're going to continue through the story. As Jesus was on his way, again the Jairus story, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, his garment, his robe, and immediately she was healed. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you. Jesus said, but someone touched me. I know that because power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell back at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. God, we come before you this morning reading a story of divine healing and of an individual who, know where to get, who knew where to get that healing. Would you speak to us this morning? Maybe sharpen us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We look at this woman at hand, and I want you to picture this with me, the scenario that she finds herself in. It's quite a crowded situation, and there's a lot of dynamics that are at play. Uh, it's a fun time and a bit of a, of a great uh, coincidence of story. My brother and I were sitting around the last couple of days, and we were talking about some fun experiences we had in the past, and one of those was uh, I, I grew up listening to rock and roll music. That was my teenage uh, genre of music. <clears throat> I, I was not a part of the, uh, you know, the, the rap night. 90s stuff. I was part of the rock 90s. That was what I listened to and didn't go to a lot of concerts as a teenager. But when I got a little bit older, I thought, you know, I want to go see one of the bands that I've listened to for a long time. One of my favorite bands growing up was a band called Chevelle. May mean nothing to you, but it's one of my favorites. And so growing up, my brother and I both listened to that. And I decided for his birthday one year, there was a, a concert coming through the Bridgestone Arena. And I thought, that's it. We're going to go. I want to go see this and I'll invite Blake. This will be his birthday present. So I just waited until the, the tickets came out, and as soon as the tickets came out for the arena, I just went on and bought the best tickets I could find. I didn't even know where they were. I didn't look at the map. You know, you didn't just, we're talking 20 years ago. You know, you didn't have like the online version where you can click on the seats and see where everything is. You just got like the more expensive ones, expecting they were better. You know, so I bought those tickets, and we show up to the event, and <clears throat> it's at the Bridgestone to, to date me a little bit more. The other bands that were there, uh, Nickelback was the headliner. There you go. So Nickelback, Chevelle, Hoobastank, and Hinder. There you go. Yeah, quality, quality music, okay? Chevelle's while we were there. And so we show up, and I go to the front gate. There's long lines outside the Bridgestone, downtown Nashville, waiting to get into the Bridgestone. And I noticed every now and then, one in 50 people, one in 100 people in front of us would be turned away, and they were walking down this like kind of alley around the side. I didn't really think much about it until I got there. And as soon as I held my tickets up, she goes, no, 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 this is not for you. You've got to go. She pointed out to my left, her right. She pointed, she goes, you got to go around the side of the building. There'll be a couple of guards there beside a door. Go to them. 
Like, what in the world is going on? So like we walk around there, sure enough, big old dude standing there. They got wands with them to check for metal detectors, all this kind of stuff. I look over at Blake and I was like, what have we done? And he goes, we're going to be real close. I said, all right, let's see what this is like, you know. So we walk on in the door. I'd never, I mean, I've been in the Bridgestone maybe to watch a Predators game or something. And so like we're walking through what looks like, I don't know, the industrial side of things, not like the Welcome Center and the gift shops and all those sorts of things. And we're walking through. And then finally, when we came out, you look up and we're on concrete floor and you look up, we walked out into the floor right beside the stage. So I had bought floor seats having no idea, and we were not the only people who had bought floor seats. As a matter of fact, when people began to pile in and the show was beginning to begin, I'm telling you, if you've ever been to a concert where folks are just crammed in on the floor, we were not far standing off of the stage. There's no chairs down there. You're just standing room only down there. And you're in that area. Folks, when you are in that type of an environment, you cannot help but you are bumping into everyone. Okay, like it's a constant barrage of like, you're just kind of like this and you're bumping into folks. You are going to, you are going to be so close to other people. If you are claustrophobic, this is not your world. You're going to be so close to people that if you like kind of like to be to yourself, do not buy floor seats. It is not your space. Okay. As a matter of fact, you are going to bump into folks. They are going to spill things on you. They are, you are going to smell like them whatever they sprayed on themselves or are smoking through themselves, you are going to smell like all of those things. Like you are that close, okay? If you've ever been in a confined space where it was just standing room only and crushed, that is what you need to picture in this story. This is a woman who is edging her way through This is a woman who's working her way through, trying to find her way in order to make it through this crowd. She's working through that process, jam-packed into this, bumping into people, incredibly heavy, heavy crowd and crushing. And she's doing this with a very specific purpose. She's she's turning her body sideways and trying to, to edge her way through. She's making, trying to make a, a space, trying to creep through and squeeze through and, and wedging herself through people because she knows where she's trying to get to. She knows the person that she's trying to go see. Folks, she, she finally has come to peace with, she knows where she needs to be and she's willing to get there. But you see, she's carrying certain, certain dynamics about her that make this more difficult. She's not just in a crowded space trying to get to a certain location. You see, there are social ills and anxieties in her world that may not be the part of everyone else because everyone else may be there for whatever reason to see the spectacle that is Jesus, to see this popular person that's coming through, to see if all the hype really lives up to. What does this guy really look like? All those sorts of things are the, the, the types of reasons that people are there. But see, this woman has come there with a very specific reason. You read about her in the story that she had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, as it says. Folks, I don't need to go into great detail. Let's just suffice it to say that in their culture, bleeding for 12 years was a was quite the burden on her. In their culture, even a normal cycle of this process taking place was seen as a time of being unclean in which you did not go out in public. Like, let's just talk about the social reality of their world, okay? Very, very... Folks, you're talking about a woman who has been an absolute, in her culture, has been an absolute outcast who could see herself very, very embarrassed. So when you picture this woman working her way through the crowds, trying to find her way through, you don't need to quite picture maybe yourself at a large concert, but you need to picture a woman who has been suffering with a physical illness that likely leaves her very weak. 
one that likely leaves her very susceptible to different types of illnesses because her body is fighting a loss all the time. This is how her body is existing. And in the culture that she's living in, she is seen as a ceremonially and an unclean person. So folks, when she's working through the crowd and trying to find her way, do you think she's doing so with her head up and a smile on her face? Absolutely not. You're talking about a woman who is keeping her head down, hoping she doesn't get noticed, trying to edge her way through. If you want to picture her more accurately, it's probably with a cloak over the top of her. It's likely that she would be covered, trying to not be seen, to not be noticed, because folks, walking out and being around is something that could be embarrassing for her. Think about this for just a moment. When is the last time she's been invited over to someone's house for a meal? When is the last time she's been on the list for a guest list for a party or for a gathering? When is the last time she's gone somewhere that she doesn't have this ailment and this 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 troubling reality in her world that doesn't hinder her from doing and going and being the person that she wants to be. You're talking about something that would be a, a problem in everyday aspect of her life. This is how she lives. No, no real social outings, no real going places, no real operating without this overbearing weight on her shoulders of the knowledge of, of this burden that she is carrying in this illness, if you will, that she's dealing with. And you, you, you think about her working her way through Folks, she's dealing with the pressures of society. She's dealing with the anxiety of what happens when somebody notices her. What if somebody points her out? What if, and folks, you know this. When you are embarrassed about something, are you not more sensitive about any single look someone gives you? You ever been embarrassed about something? There's something like, anytime they look at you, you're concerned that they might know, and you're concerned about the way they might be looking at you. You're concerned. You can, you can interpret even small glances as somebody being cutting their eyes at you or being glaring. When you're sensitive because there's something that you're insecure about, it causes the, your, your interpretation of even other people. So folks, imagine with me for just a moment what this woman's world is like working through a crowd. And I ask you, why is she willing to risk it all? Why is, she, why is she willing to go through this and to be out in public and to edge her way through a crowd? <clears throat> to use the song lyrics we had a little while ago, she just needs to talk to Jesus. You understand? She recognizes this is the one thing that can make a difference in her world. She recognizes, like, this is it. This is, this is what I need. I've shared this story with you a, a time in the past, so forgive me. Some of you remember my story, some of you not at all. So if you don't remember my story, it's great. This will be the first time you ever hear it. But I have a good friend of mine I talk about from time to time, and he's one who has <clears throat> come to visit Houston County several times, a guy by the name of Ray. Ray shows up one time, and Ray doesn't get sick very often, but Ray shows up at my house, and he sounds like death with two legs. You know what I mean? Like, it's just complete, like, he's stuffed up, which is not like him. He doesn't feel good. He's napping, and Ray never takes a nap. That He never sleeps, that kind of stuff. And he said, man, I'll tell you what, I need to, you got a place up here that sells drugs? Yeah, lots. <laughs> what kind are you looking for? You know, like, I'm not sure what you're asking. He said, well, like, I need the purple stuff. And I said, oh, Dollar General, which, by the way, you can get all kinds of drugs, legal and, anyway. So go to Dollar General, right? And so I said, let's go there. He, he said, well, I need the purple stuff. And I said, what is it? And he goes, I don't know, man. It's purple. I'll know it when I see it. Okay. So we go to Dollar General. We walk into the one up in Tennessee Ridge, the older one. We walk into the, in there, and he's stumbling around, walking around, getting into the, into the medicine section. He's going, no, 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 no. I think that's it. And he reaches over and grabs it, spins it over, and he goes, yep, that's the word I'm looking for. Turns around and cracks the top and starts walking towards the register. Grabs another box of something. I don't even know what it is. Walking towards the register doing this. 
And I was like, you are going to jail, dude. Like, I don't know if you know what happens in this Dollar General, but this, is, this makes you look bad. You know what I mean? Like, this is bad, okay? So as he's walking up there, he's drinking this purple stuff all the way there. And he tells me, he's like, man, I'll feel better in a few hours. Just give me a minute. And so I don't know how much of it he consumed. I just know he bought a bottle of purple stuff and out the door he went. And the crazy thing was, about three or four hours later, he gets back up, starts feeling better, sleeps at night, wakes up the next day. He's back to being normal Ray. Like normal rain. I was like, dude, you look way better. He goes, I told you, man, purple. That's all I needed. A little bit of purple stuff and I'm fine. He still to this day doesn't know what's in it. But let me tell you this. He knows that's what fixes my problem. Some of you this morning need to make peace with a lot of the ills, a lot of the things going on in your life. Jesus is what fixes your problem. Okay. You want to talk about the world around us and how sometimes we feel like the world around us is crashing and there are things that are happening? Folks, I'm convinced you want your world to be a better place? Tell people about Jesus, okay? Because when you have Jesus properly established in your life, a lot of the ills, the chaos, and the pain that we cause each other on this earth begins to dwindle away because we're not doing so many dumb things because we realize that Jesus is the answer to all the dumb things we used to be doing. You understand? Like... This woman realizes that Jesus is her answer. And let me tell you, she's tried other things. You know how I know this? Verse 43, what does it say about her? She's on her way to Jesus, and it says something that's very revealing. Verse 43 says, and no one could heal her. How do you know that no one could heal her unless you have tried? You hear me? You don't know that no one can heal her unless you have attempted it. You know, there were other times in the Bible where God is tested and where other folks that, that called on other gods or other powers sometimes, you know, might be able to, to replicate or do something, but they weren't able to do everything that God was able to do. We have some interesting interaction with what evil is able to do as opposed to what God is able to do. But in her attempt, she's gone to those places and those people who who she thought could, could heal her, could make her better, could, could make her whole, those sorts of things. And she's gone to those places and no one could give her the relief, <clears throat> the peace, the healing that she needed. And let's, I mean, let's not kid ourselves, right? Like this, this woman's attempt to be healed in other places is something that we do. Like... We, we self-medicate at a higher level than anyone in history has self-medicated. We self-medicate with all sorts of things. And of course, the stereotypes are like, you know, drinking or pills or whatever those things are. But like, let's be real for a moment. What are the things that we try to fill our life with to make us feel more whole, more at peace, or more of a sense of, of accomplishment or a sense of, of like, yeah, of confidence about who we are? Folks, we do it through all sorts of things. Do you remember being a, a kid and there was some specific clothing that you needed to wear? I saw a guy not long ago walking around in a members-only jacket. 2023, still rocking the members-only. Let me tell you what, there was a time a long time ago, members-only was the deal. And I'm maybe circling back so much and he's the only cool dude left. And he's like, you know, 72 and he's the coolest dude on the planet because he's still got a, a members-only jacket, right? There were those things that, that you just had to have that were, oh, if I just have that... And it's a never-ending list of, if I just get to this point, 
if I just get to this place, if I, if, I, if I just get this accomplishment or get that thing or wear this or have that look or whatever it may be. And it's, it's all ways that we try to self-medicate ourselves to make us feel like we have worth and we're going to find this place. Because the reality is this woman was even going to Jesus hoping to be healed of her illness. And this is what I love about it. She had tried other things and then she finally realizes that this is the man. If I can just touch his robe... If I, can, if I can just get close enough to touch his robe. In that, in that place of desperation even, reaching out to touch, I love the fact that Jesus recognizes that somebody touched him differently than anyone else, even the hem of his garment as we read. It's a wild thing to think. Uh, by the way, it's very culturally normal for them to think that power would flow through the robe of another person. This is, this is very normal for them. It doesn't make sense to us very much, but it does to them. And Jesus recognizes, even crammed in with people crushing in against him, as the Bible says, he recognizes when somebody has touched him with that intent. They're, they're, they're trying to access, they're trying to, 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 to encounter that power of, of, of the one true God. The thing I love about this story, though, she arrives with all of those anxieties, with all of those pressures, with all of that, those ills, the burden that she's been carrying for so long, and she shows up looking for something, she shows up looking for one thing, and yet Jesus' gift far surpasses just the one thing that she's looking for. She shows up looking for healing, and yet what is the blessing that He gives her? I'll go back in the slide. Daughter, your faith has healed you. What? Go in peace. I'm convinced this morning more than ever we live in a, in a culture of people that are trying their best to find peace in their lives. And they're doing everything they can to try and figure out what might give them peace. They have different things that they try to self-medicate with, different things they, that they look for, that they try to, to use to say, maybe this will bring me to a place of peace. Folks, of any people on the earth that should recognize this, the only place to find real peace is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only thing. You can try everything else on the planet thinking that this will get you to a place of peace. And I, and I love this. This woman needed healing and Jesus granted her healing. But in that, she's able to be at a place of peace. And it, it was beyond, you know, even, even the wanting to be healed of this, of this earthly thing that she's dealing with. God answered that prayer, but the thing that He gave her is to go in peace that you can leave from this being at a place of peace that you've never been before. This morning, I don't know if there's a better way for us to end a time of, of thinking about this woman's encounter with Christ and just saying, I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know what things you've been searching for. I don't know what burdens you're carrying this morning. I don't know what ways you've tried to, to medicate and to, to make the pain or the anxiety or the frustration go away. But I know this, there is something profound about talking to Jesus. Amen? There's something profound about saying Jesus is the one who can, who can guide me through this. He's the one who can heal me from this, and He's the one who can give me peace in the midst of it. Can I illustrate one more thing before we close this morning? On Wednesday nights, we've been doing the, the, the Beatitudes. We've worked through that. And one of the Beatitudes we worked through is, blessed are the peacemakers, or as we talked, oh, the joy and the goodness of the peacemakers. 
We misunderstand peacemaker a lot in the English language because when Jesus was speaking those words, he was talking about a, a, from a, like a Hebrew and Aramaic understanding of what it means to be peace. And what it means to, to bring about peace, because it's peacemakers, what it means to bring about peace is not that all evil goes away, by the way. It's very much an understanding that evil will still be here, but to make peace was to usher in the presence of God. All the goodness, to, to say shal, to the word shalom or arine in Greek, to say arine or shalom, whichever word you're using, is still to, to us to say, this is all the goodness in the presence of God in your life. And so let me tell you this morning, if you want to experience peace, it's only, a, it's only attained, it's only a part of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and being in a relationship with Him. So this morning, I want to ask you to stand with me if you would. And we're going to close in a in a different way than maybe we have. Sometimes it's, it's common to bring a, a praise and worship band back up. And this morning I thought, as opposed, to, as opposed to encouraging us to lean upon watching something else happen, why not we be participatory in our response? And so our praise and worship band is actually located together in the back. They're going to lead us back through the very last part of that song that we sang together. They're going to sing those three lines three times in a row. And as they sing those, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin now to let the Holy Spirit to begin to do its work. And if you feel the Holy Spirit saying, just come talk to Jesus. You, you may be carrying burdens for, for yourself and things that you've been dealing with. There may be the anxieties of this woman may be so real in your world because there are things in your world that you think other people are looking at you about and you, you just want to go and talk to Jesus. There may be real burdens that you're carrying and you know this morning and you feel it deep within your heart that the only real way to respond is to just go talk to Jesus. You may have been searching for peace through a thousand different venues this morning. And finally, what this crazy, balding preacher from Alabama has to say, this is the way to find peace. This is the way to be a person at peace. So I'm going to ask our praise and worship band to, to lead us. Feel free to sing along. If you feel so moved, you can kneel here at one of these altars. I'm going to stand with you as a part of the congregation singing this together. And at the close, we'll pray together. You're welcome to sit there in your seats and pray. You're welcome to come here at an altar. But this morning, if the call to talk to Jesus is real in your heart, I invite you to respond. God, we come before you this morning recognizing that within this story, as Jesus was going to serve someone else, is a story embedded that is at the core of who we are. God, we recognize that in our own lives, we have carried certain burdens. There have been certain things that have gone on in our lives. Maybe, maybe some of them mistakes of our own, but maybe things that we have just been afflicted with in this life. God, there are burdens that we carry, and we may have looked for other places to find peace in the midst of those, but this morning we recognize that you are the only one who can bring about healing. God, you are the only one who can make us whole. You're the only one who can help us to navigate through those frustrations, those complications of life. God, this morning, forgive us of the times that we've tried to medicate with the other things, other things that we thought would bring us peace, that we've gone to other places. And remind us that, God, you are the only one. You're the only one who can truly heal us and give us peace. God, this morning, for those who may find themselves in a place where they've been carrying the burdens of life, I pray this morning that as, as the song encouraged us er, earlier, it's just as simple as talking to a friend. God, that they would find themselves talking to you more often, seeking you more often, working their way even through 
the things of this life, sometimes the crowds. God, to, to create space to just find you. God, this morning we thank you for being the God that even on your way to somewhere else, even as you may be at work and something else, you still pause to see us. God, for that we give you praise, we love you, and we thank you. It is your son's name we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Daniel Metters again. I hope this morning's message has both challenged your heart or maybe given you a word of encouragement. If you feel like you would like to reach out and maybe continue this conversation in any way, please feel free to email us at ecnradioresponse at gmail.com. We hope you are well and God bless.